It's my pleasure to welcome you here to the Clark Howard Show, where our mission is to serve you and empower you to make better financial decisions in your life. In this episode, I recently spoke about ways to save on prescription meds. And gosh, that generates so much response from people when I talk about the prescription drug thing. And we're now seeing big pharmacies cut their hours because they can't hold on to employees and there's a shortage of pharmacists as well. There's also a new option from Amazon called Pharmacy Pass. I'm going to tell you the pluses and minuses of it. And also, there's been so much in the news about continued layoffs, primarily in the technology field. I think 200,000 at this point and growing. There's a terrible, terrible trend. It's not your friend. And the way some employers are treating people when they decide to lay them off, I want to talk about that. So CVS is having a lot of operational issues. CVS is now cutting pharmacy hours at a huge number of their stores. Their pharmacists, as I hear from them repeatedly, are burning out. CVS has not created a warm, cuddly atmosphere for its employees, and these are the consequences. Plus, there is a national shortage of pharmacists. As I've talked about on many occasions, CVS and its arch competitor, Walgreens, can be ridiculously expensive places to fill prescriptions. We also talked about how many of us who have, through our place of employment, have what are called PBMs, pharmacy benefits managers, that are the places that are supposedly the place we're supposed to go to fill our prescriptions. It's supposed to be a deal. Well, there's all kinds of real ugliness going on behind the scenes with PBMs, with kickbacks and all the rest. And so you and I can pay more for 80% of prescriptions through the PBM at work than going into the marketplace to fill those prescriptions. In the past, I've talked about how Sam's Club for its premium members has a list of prescriptions they'll fill for you for free just for being a plus member at Sam's. And now Amazon has a prescription service they're offering that is RX Pass. And you'll see if you look at various drugs on Amazon.com, if they say RX Pass to, next to them, you'll be like, what's that mean? That means if you subscribe, to Amazon's RX Pass, 60 bucks a year, any of those prescriptions that are listed as RX Pass are now free to you. So you pay the flat 60 a year, billed at $5 a month, and you fill all those scripts for nothing. So I look through the list, and for me, it was not worth it. Uh, the number of prescriptions I take that are included in RX Pass didn't make it worth my while. I'm still much better off filling my prescriptions at Costco for a fraction of the cost of what they are through the prescription plan offered through work. There's only one, yeah, one prescription that I fill through the PBM at work. Everything else I take, you know, because I got, I'm at the point in my life, I got to take medicines for my cancer. I got to take medicines for my heart. I got blah, blah, blah. So I got a list of meds I take. I have to, I've made it at the point in my life where I have to have that pill thing, whatever it is, Sunday through Saturday pill thing, put them all in there. I can't believe I've made it at that point in my life. And 
I'm saving so much versus what I'd pay elsewhere. And I want you to know, going back to doing my normal picking on CVS and Walgreens, their script prices on generics, because of the business model they use to price generics, and 80 plus percent of prescriptions filled are generics, make generics as much as 100 times more expensive from CVS or Walgreens as they are in the open free market. So just know that most of the time it won't be 100, it'll be 10 times the cost. But just know that you pay much more, even with a benefit through work, often filling at CVS or Walgreens. Well, it was funny, the last prescription I filled at Costco, I want you to guess how much it was. $3. $1.20. Oh my gosh, even less. I mean, how could they fill it for $1.20? That's crazy. And I just want to say that you casually threw in for my cancer. For those who haven't been listening, do you want to explain? Oh, sure. <laughs> I, 14 years ago, I was diagnosed with prostate cancer, early stage prostate cancer. And I've never had to have treatment for it. It's been, uh, I'm one of the genetic lucky ones that about somewhere more or less 40% of men diagnosed with prostate cancer have a genetic makeup of it that will never be life-threatening. The problem is knowing who those 40% are. So every year I'm treated at UCLA Medical Center. I go to UCLA for a really involved MRI that I'm in the MRI machine for 75 minutes. It is able to map exactly what's going on with my cancer and 14 years forward gotten just on formica formica or your head Nobody, does anybody even know the word formica anymore it's uh, from ikea so it's definitely definitely not real <laughs> anyway what is real is that for 14 years i've just been in a monitoring program and at this point luck seems to be on my side and i may be one of the people with the genetic makeup a very slow growing which is prostate cancer you die with in your body not from you know i've had it so long and so many americans have cancer that they manage right that i don't think of it like i mean like when i was young somebody had cancer you didn't even say the word because it meant cancer equal death yeah all right but Chuck in Indiana wants to refer back to what you were talking about with the prescriptions. Recently, I was prescribed two recurring medications. When I compared my employer's prescription program, which was CVS, the cost versus, Poor CVS. versus the local pharmacy, I was shocked. CVS was $25, the local pharmacy $8. But wait, there's more. A few weeks after filling the prescription, I received three emails from CVS that they were aware of me filling the prescription outside the program and I may be in conflict with the program requirements. I've continued to use the local pharmacy without issue, but I wanted to share. So, uh, Chuck, that's very interesting. CVS is trying to be a bully, trying to intimidate you to paying them too much money instead of filling in the free market. CVS, Aetna, you know, it's a combined giant company. They're a little too big for their britches. So I'm glad you stuck to your guns. And you're continuing to fill at the local pharmacy for a third of the cost, less than a third of the cost of what CVS wants to overcharge you. Dylan in Illinois says, I'm curious if my spouse and I both need term life insurance. A little background. We're in our early 30s and just found out we're pregnant. 
Congratulations. We both work full-time and will continue working after the birth in September. We bought our first home last year and have around $700,000 of total debt, mortgage, and auto loan, and around $1.5 million in total assets, retirement, investments, and savings. Our combined annual income is around $400,000. My wife's earnings make up about three-quarters of that amount. For what it's worth, we have all of our existing insurance through USAA, home, auto, and an umbrella policy. So, Dylan, first thing, make sure your wife's really okay with saying we're pregnant. (laughs) You're not the one who's going to go through the labor pains. But that is a common expression now, right? Yeah, I think it's like, I think it's trying to share in the journey, you know, like saying they're taking equal share in it and, you know, we're having a baby. I don't want to. You're not any further on that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's so uh, I need to also thank you for either you or your wife's or family members service to our great nation that you are in USAA because that means somebody in the family put on the uniform of the U.S. military and served our great nation. And thank you for that, whoever it was in your family. So you both have a need for life insurance. You're already fully embedded with USAA. Normally, I talk on Clark.com about how to shop for a term life insurance policy. It wouldn't be a bad choice to just go to USAA and buy level term insurance, 30-year policies, one on each of you, and that would cover you being in your 30s, cover you for most of each of your remaining working lifetimes, and bringing your soon-to-be-born child into adulthood plus other children over 30 years you'd be able to have money to provide for them so combined family income you're doing great she's making 300 you're making 100 it means she would be best served by maybe three million you buy a million of term life insurance because what you're looking for is replacement of income and so 10 times the amount Remember, we have inflation that will erode the value of that over the years. So that's why 10 is kind of my number for a 30-year level term. If you want to look outside USAA for a quote, look at our guide to buying level term insurance on Clark.com, and we'll walk you through how to make that happen. And Kimberly in West Virginia says, Clark has... a advise consumers to contact the Better Business Bureau numerous times regarding consumer issues, so I decided to give it a try. We have a refrigerator, and after three repairs and the promise of a refund voucher that didn't materialize, I initiated the complaint. The manufacturer called my husband the next day. We were getting another repair. I then decided to file a complaint against AT&T regarding a problem with a prepaid plan. Two days later, they called, and I'm suddenly eligible for the plan that I wanted. My husband and I are now curious about why businesses are so responsive to the BBB. Ah, you hit a thousand there. I mean, two companies, quick response, solve the problem, both of them right away. You're luckier than most. The Better Business Bureau is a tool you can use that works very well with particularly larger companies that consider themselves to be doing the right thing but their bureaucracies dumb them down into stupidity. And so you cut through that bureaucracy with a big company when you file a complaint with the Better Business Bureau. It's kind of like with a bank. 
Giant Monster Mega Bank when you file a complaint with the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. And the big bank that put you on ignore forever and wouldn't solve a problem suddenly is falling all over themselves to solve a problem. So you got to know the pressure points. Better Business Bureau, if you're dealing with rotten apple businesses that are not uh, ethical or honest to start with, filing a complaint with the Better Business Bureau may get you nowhere. It's when you're dealing with a big corporate bureaucracy, like you with a major manufacturer, cell phone company, those kind of organizations respond and respond typically very quickly, not as quick as you found one day and two days, but it is a great tool that I can recommend in many cases. And straight ahead, talk about unfeeling, uncaring corporate bureaucracies the way a lot of companies have handled layoffs recently and how you should handle this unfortunate situation, whether your employer handles it well or poorly, what's next for you? We're going to talk about that. I'm kind of in shock about the people who've been laid off recently in huge numbers. They were laid off by email. The stories about, remember Google Their corporate slogan was, do no evil. Well, what about doing the right thing, Google? 12,000 people laid off by email? How cold? How impersonal? And there are lots of companies now that think it's okay to send people a terse email and say, you're fired. This is not the right way to treat people. Someone who work for you for whatever period of time, but like at Google, a lot of the people had 20 plus years and they find out they're fired because they couldn't get in their work email and they go look at their personal email and there's a short message saying, you're out of here, you're fired right away. I mean, this is trash and Google's the best known name, but this happened company after company after company that they're managed by a combination of cowardice or people who just don't value other people. I just want you to think about as an employer, when the time comes and any business can have cycles where the business contracts, you have more people than the business can sustain on payroll. And it's a brutal process to have to take away somebody's employment. And it's an unpleasant one. So it's a complete coward's act to say, it's going to make me uncomfortable having to look across the table at you and tell you you're laid off. So I'm going to hide behind an email and send you an email telling you you're done. Seriously, this is not okay. And if you're somebody nursing your wounds from being laid off, you could very easily descend into bitterness towards your former employer or your current situation. So this is for you. What your employer has done in being cold, callous, and uncaring is not okay. But bitterness only hurts you. Only hurts you. They don't care. Look, if they fired you that way in the first place, they don't care. You only give them more power when you descend into bitterness towards them. Know that life is a journey and there are going to be bad rounds and they're going to be unfair occurrences. 
There are going to be times you are not treated right. So what do you do out of that? First of all, you remember for the rest of your life that when you're in a position that you're managing somebody, when you're hiring somebody, if the time comes you have to let them go because of uh, they're not working out, or the time comes they have to be laid off because of financial conditions, remember, be kind. Think about how you would have liked to have been treated in that situation, and that's how you treat someone else. Well, let's go back to you, and you're now hurting, you've been laid off, you got whatever severance you got, you got whatever assistance they're offering at the company with preparing a new resume or outplacement assistance, whatever that is, helping you look for a new opportunity. No matter what, no matter how awful they were, as someone who first started hiring people in 1978, I can tell you that one thing never to do is talk smack about your ex-employer even if they deserve it. Because who it reflects badly on in a job interview, whether it's a Zoom interview or it's an in-person interview, it makes that potential employer doubt who you are by you complaining, talking trash about who you used to work for. Even if they were a nightmare, positive energy, positive energy, positive energy. You say, I hate that they laid me off because I loved working there. It was a wonderful experience. I learned so much. I worked with great people. Say it and try to mean it because I bet it is true. You worked with wonderful people. Why else would you have stayed there so long if you were a long-term employee? Everything needs to be a positive message. What is it you hope to accomplish? Why is it you love doing that kind of work? Positive, positive, positive. And I talked about something last month, and that is that every time there's a big wave of layoffs, there's a certain segment of people who it turns out to be the greatest opportunity of their lives that they did get laid off because they went out and started their own new business or they, with colleagues, started a new business. I think about the guys who started Home Depot, who ended up some of the wealthiest people in the world. They, mid-career, had been fired from a company that was a hardware company, and they went out mid-career and started Home Depot with basically no resources and built it into the huge organization it is. And now these There were three guys who started it, two in particular, ended up obscenely wealthy from doing it. And that's not necessarily the goal, but the point is, when it looks like you've been dealt that really bad curveball, that that may be the moment where the next great thing emerges in your life. I don't say this as just words. I believe it through my heart, soul, my mind, my head that what happens after a reversal depends so much on you and your attitude and how you motivate yourself. One thing that is a good thing and a bad time in your life is this is not 2009, 10, 11, where people were getting laid off and their job prospects were basically zero at that time. 
Today, we remain with some of the lowest unemployment numbers in modern American history. So even as the opportunity closed at wherever you were, there is opportunity in the workplace. And think of this. Let's say you're one of the many hundreds of thousands of people who are being laid off in the tech field. You have learned skills there that may work very well at a manufacturer or a retailer or a restaurant chain, or you name it something, that those skills that you developed in a Silicon Valley kind of job may be extremely applicable inside a company that does something completely differently, but needs your kind of skills. And please, I know it hurts. Never allow that hurt to descend into bitterness or anger because it makes the steps next so hard to achieve. Krista? Tony in New Jersey says, I use my credit cards for most of my daily expenses. I do this to earn cash rewards. Each month, I pay in full the amount due. Before COVID, only some gas stations charged a surcharge for using a credit card. Post-COVID, almost all retailers, especially restaurants and food establishments, now regularly charge a 3 to 4% surcharge. This has made me question my strategy and whether credit card rewards is becoming a thing of the past. It doesn't make sense incurring that surcharge just to earn a 2% reward. I'm wondering what Clark thinks in this new world. It's funny. I guess we might be moving back to a cash society after all. All right. So what's actually going on is the Visa MasterCard cartel and the banks in this country are so powerful that merchants, restaurants, gas stations, whoever pay the highest processing fees anywhere in the world. And the actual cost of processing transactions is almost nothing. But because of the cartel in the United States, we pay these massive prices. That's how I'm able to get the enormous rewards on cards. You're getting them on cards and all that. Well, the merchants have had enough of this. And so more and more, they are instituting these surcharges. It is a very reasonable action for a restaurant, a retailer, a gas station, whoever, to take. The real problem is the corruption in the U.S. Congress, that they've done nothing because of the political contributions they get from the banks to do something about the outrageous fees that merchants are charged. And at some point, the corrupt culture of the political environment of D.C. will will break, and this kind of foolishness will stop. But in the meantime, what we're faced with is a choice. Are the rewards worth what you're having to pay in processing fees? And it does give the alternative of paying with cash, paying with your phone. You're going to see more and more alternative methods to pay with your phone is a way of merchants avoiding the fees and you avoiding the pass-through of those fees. Catherine in North Carolina says, we're looking into getting our 14-year-old son a debit card with so many establishments not accepting cash, which would be our first choice, but we prefer not to have it linked to any of our bank accounts. What do you recommend? We do belong to a credit union, but it would need to be tied to one of our accounts with him being 14. So what I would do is I would open an account a custodial account with one of the online banks and there's no fee for those accounts 
and you would be able to have a debit card for your son and he would be able to charge it only up to the money that's in that account. So you wouldn't be putting your regular accounts at risk. So cordoning him off in an account that's used just for that purpose so that he has access to the amount of walking around money you're comfortable with him having access to on that card, I think is the easiest and best solution and would cost you nothing. And you could also do a credit card, right? An additional card. You You could, but I mean, she's trying to prevent that kind of exposure. And also, I should mention that people that are with some of the big credit unions, like uh, USAA, Navy Federal, you can have for a 14-year-old, you can, a 14-year-old can have his or her own checking account, spending account, whatever, tied into a debit card. And they make it really easy and free for a teen to have one of those accounts. Carmen in Florida says, I just received a 1099C cancellation of debt from an old debt from a retail store that has passed the statute of limitations. What is your advice when we receive these forms? So we get this question every January, February. 1099C is if someone cancels a debt that you owe, they give up, decide it's uncollectible, it is considered under the tax code to be income to you, just like income you got from a paycheck. Lots of times when a debt is charged off, a 1099-C is never issued. You got in the unlucky lottery, Carmen, you've been issued that 1099-C. If it is, in fact, a debt that you did owe that you did not pay, then you are stuck reporting that as income on your income tax return And it doesn't mean you owe, let's just say for argument's sake, it was $500. You don't owe $500 in tax. You owe tax on what would be $500 of additional income, which might be $50, $100, something like that. But it is a legitimate form that people who cancel debts or charge off debts do have a legal right under the tax code to send you as kind of like a punitive action for you not having paid a debt that you owed them. And if, on the other hand, it's a disputed debt or something like that, when you file your return, you dispute the validity, you report the 1099-C, then you back it out of your income, and you enclose an explanation about why you both reported it and reduced your income by that amount of money on that 1099-C. It starts a long process with the IRS. I want to thank you so much for being with us today. If there's advice that we can serve you with, remember we are in our 30th birthday month celebration of our Team Clark Consumer Action Center. It started February of 1993, providing free one-on-one advice and guidance available to you 10 in the morning Eastern till 4 in the afternoon Eastern time. Mondays through Fridays, you can see how to get that advice at clark.com slash CAC and have a great day.